Bible says, Jesus himself says that we have ears, but we do not hear. We have eyes, but we do not see. And then many times throughout the gospel, Jesus says, he who has an ear, let him hear. Even right in the book of Revelation, it challenges us to hear what God really is saying to us. You know, there's this uh, favorite psalm, <coughs> excuse me, that has become even more popular during this lockdown, coronavirus lockdown. And that psalm is Psalm 91. For those uh, who are familiar with it, it starts with, <coughs> excuse me, I'm just clearing my tr throat and getting some uh, water through. <clears throat> it begins with, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And that's such an important starting verse for the rest of the psalm. I know we claim many promises from the psalm that He will protect us in His uh, fortress. We will be he will be our refuge and strength, a very help in times of trouble and that He will protect us from the pestilence and from destruction and all these promises that we claim in Psalm 91. We really uh, celebrate this psalm. But we forget that it begins with He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty that we need to be able to discover this secret place in God. And what does it mean to dwell in that secret place? Now, in Matthew 6.6, 6, and I don't have that on the screen, but in Matthew 6.6, 6, Jesus says that if you want to pray, you have to go into the secret place and pray and the Father who is in secret will reward you when you pray that way. In other words, when you discover that secret place with God, you will find that reward from our Heavenly Father. And so today, I want to share with you a little bit of how to discover that secret place of God or with God so that you can really be transformed and impacted in your life, just as Elijah was. There was a time that Elijah went through depression, great depression, because he was threatened by a woman. Perhaps you are threatened by a woman. I will not, not name who it is, but <laughs> just joking. But uh, Elijah was frightened of this woman called Jezebel. <clears throat> and Jezebel sought to kill Elijah because of that uh, challenge of uh, fire coming down on the sacrifice and all the prophets of Baal were killed. And Jezebel was really angry with Elijah and sought to kill him. And when he heard that uh, Jezebel, was, <coughs> who was a queen at that time, wanted to kill him, he ran for his life. And he ran and he... And the angel put him to sleep for a while and he woke up 
and there was food prepared for him. He ate and slept and eventually came to a cave. I don't know which cave it is, but <clears throat> he went to the cave to run away and to hide from Jezebel. He was in a crisis. He was in deep depression. Perhaps some of you may be in a, a state like this. You may be depressed. You may be um, frightened, fearful of various circumstances. Uh, you, you, you may have had some not very good report on your health or you're not feeling really well or your relationships are not going well. You're in a state of depression, so to speak, or great anxiety. You're a bit like Elijah in that cave. You're running away from things and you're wondering how it's all going to turn out. But we are going to learn something precious from Elijah here. It says that he was alone in the cave during his time of crisis. And let's look at some scripture here, at the scriptures describing that whole incidence. And it says, and he went into a cave and spent the night in, the, in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And for some of you, God may be saying, Hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing in that state you're in? You shouldn't be in this state. I've got greater plans for you. I've got great things ahead for you. But you have found yourself stuck in this place, running away and hiding and in great fear and trepidation. God doesn't want you to be in that place. What are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah began to explain himself and defend his, his case and said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. You know, later on, at some point that God tells Elijah, actually, there are 7,000 other prophets that he has preserved. So actually, he wasn't alone in his faith. There were many others who believed just like Elijah did. But to Elijah, it, it, he felt that he was alone in that situation. And so for many of us who are in our predicament, in our dire straits, we feel often alone. We feel that we are on our own and we're not able to make it on our own, which is a lie of the devil. And so today we are going to see how we can come out of this pit, this pit of depression, this mire, this uh, hell hole, as it were, to, to be able to be brought out of that into a wonderful place. Let's continue to see what um, the scripture says about Elijah. And it says, and he says, go out and stand on the mountain 
before the Lord. In other words, he had to come out of the cave, find a mountain, stand on that mountain, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And this great and strong wind, uh, other versions describe it as the whirlwind, like a tornado or a hurricane. It was so powerful that the rocks around him were torn into pieces. Wow, that's a very, very powerful whirlwind or tornado or hurricane and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake, you know, earthquakes are frightening. I was caught once uh, uh, with Evelyn and, and some friends. We were in Italy and uh, we were in this hotel and suddenly the earthquake came and, uh, uh, you know, we felt ourselves swaying from side to side. But that was a very mild earthquake. But I believe that the earthquake that Elijah experienced was a very violent kind of earthquake. But it said that the Lord was not in the earthquake. Let's move on to the next scripture. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Now, many of us are caught up in a lot of activities. And it feels like the whirlwind. It feels like fire. It feels like earthquake. You know, many big uh, things happening around us. But often our activities, God is not in our activities. We have to be very careful with all the busyness and activities that we do. Maybe they are even good activities, but sometimes, very often, God is not in there. And we've got to see where God is. It says that God was in, it doesn't say in that verse that God was in that small, still voice. But look at the effects of the small, still voice to Elijah. Now, Elijah had heard God earlier. God told him, what are you doing here? And many other things. So, this small, still voice is different from the other words that God had spoken to Elijah. And so it was when Elijah heard it, <coughs> heard this still, small voice, that he wrapped his face in his mantle. Something happened to him the moment he heard this still, small voice. And I'm going to explain to you what this still, small voice is all about. How is it that this still, small voice was able to transform Elijah and get him out of his uh, depression. And he wrapped himself, his face in the mantle. It's like he was ashamed or something. He, 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 he was just impacted, greatly impacted. And went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, again the same words, what are you doing here, Elijah? You shouldn't be here. What are you doing here? But you know, when God said these things, like what are you doing here, Elijah, and everything, 
It's different from that still, small voice. And let's continue to see what it means. Now, the wind, the earthquake and the fire, after this wind, earthquake and fire, the Hebrew text says that there was the call Dema, uh, Demama Daka. I'm, I'm not pronouncing it properly perhaps, but in Hebrew it literally means the sound of thin, sheer silence. Like we experience after a storm has passed, that silence, that eerie silence. The question is, can we actually hear silence? You know, Pope Benedict the Sixteen, who passed on to Pope Francis, was actually a godly person. He was very much into the Word of God. And you know, the Catholics have a bad reputation now and you know, many people, when, they, when you talk about the Catholics, they have, you know, about what the priests have done and all the negative things. But the Catholics have also done tremendous things. So we've got to give credit to whom credit is due in the past. They, they provided education, hospitals, and done a lot of good works. And one of the good things that I have observed uh, in the Catholics is this aspect of being able, especially the monks, the Catholic monks, being able to, uh, to meditate, to go into silence. They, they spend a lot of time in silence where they block out all the other voices that come to them to distract them. And they spend a lot of time in silence, meditating, or they chant. They, they have certain uh, Gregorian-type chants, or, or they just sing. But they spend a lot of time meditating in silence. And uh, can I have the uh, verse back on? Let's have a look at this. It says that uh, this is what Pope Benedict the Sixteenth said. And I really like what he says here. He says, silence is what makes possible a true hearing. It gives hospitality or place for the word to be spoken, welcomed and given sanctuary in our hearts. Silence can carve out an inner space in our very depths to enable God to dwell there so that His Word will remain within us and the love for Him take root in our minds and hearts and inspire our life. I think Pope Benedict is a born-again Christian. I, 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 I think from the words that he has spoken in this homily, he says silence is what makes possible true hearing. And I'm going to talk about what hearing really means because Jesus says you may hear but yet not hear you have ears but yet not hear you have eyes but yet do not see but when you have silence and um, you give hospitality and a place for the word to be spoken to be welcomed and and it creates a sanctuary for God 
God's word, for God himself to come into your life, to transform you. And so I, I believe that uh, as we look at the next scripture here, we see, you know, what happened, sorry, let, let me go through this, uh, some quotes on silence. You know, <laughs> if you have, uh, uh, you know, read various books or whatever, you will sometimes come across these quotes. It says, your silence is deafening. <laughs> what an oxymoron, isn't it? That uh, silence can even be deafening. But silence is really powerful. There's a song by Simon and Garfunkel in the uh, 70s, uh, became number one, which was The Sound of Silence. And it was a very powerful song and talking about how people are not able to communicate with one another. But another quote on silence is, your silence speaks a thousand words. You know how it is that sometimes even in silence when we look at our loved ones or, you know, just, just the body language or just His presence, it, it can speak a thousand words or your silence speaks volumes. Silence has been shown to offer significant health advantages that boost our overall well-being. From a physiological standpoint, silence, and this is something that scientists have found, that silence can help lower blood pressure. I think I need to practice more of silence so my blood pressure can go down and I don't need medication as well as boost the body's immune system. Hey, this is a great uh, recommendation for lockdown and for this COVID-19 pandemic because it's all about your immune system and there's a lot of videos out there talking about how to boost your immune system. Here's a very powerful way to come silently before the Lord into His silence. And it was in that silence when it says that Elijah heard the silence that he was transformed. It wasn't all the voices, it wasn't all the words that God had spoken before him that transformed him. But somehow in that silence, when he blocked out all the other voices, even the earthquakes, sound, the whirlwind and the fire, God was not in that. But somehow in that silence, God came through to him. And what he heard was not merely the voice of God, but God himself. God came through in that silence. And you know what happened to Elijah after he heard uh, God in that silence? His depression left. And he was able to go out and anoint a new king, Jehu. He found his successor, Elisha, who was uh, doubly more anointed than him. He did double the miracles that he did. And, uh, and, and Elijah himself went out and did greater miracles. He called down fire two times, and even the third time he was about to do it until the enemy 
the, the captain of 50 came to plead with him, please don't send fire to burn us. And, and so he could just do all these miracles. He parted the, uh, the, the Jordan, he parted, and then he was taken up to heaven uh, in his chariot. And you know what? In book of Revelations, a Revelation, it says that um, there will be two witnesses that will come in the end times, in the very end days when the Antichrist reigns. And many scholars believe that one of the two uh, witnesses is Elijah himself. So his work is not finished. He's going to come back to do even a greater work. Um, and then he will die and resurrect and, and all of that. But Elijah's work is not finished. And he was boosted. He was elevated to a higher level of, of anointing, of ministry, of greatness as a result of him hearing God in that silence. Oh, how powerful that silence is. You know, many of us, we are not able to do great things for God because we haven't come into that secret place of that Most High. You know, that secret place of the Most High need not be in a cave. <laughs> Please don't go out looking for a cave to, to find God there. It, it can be anywhere. It can be in your bedroom. It can even be in your toilet. You know, many a times... God spoke to me powerfully in the toilet. I won't tell you what I was doing in the toilet, but you, you can guess it. But even in the toilet, sitting there in the toilet, God, that can be that secret place with God of the Most High. And when God comes in, it, you know, you don't have to be in a, a, a big, noisy youth rally, you know, sorry, uh, Jordan, you know, shouting and jumping and whirlwind, fire, you know, like uh, Pastor Subi says, fire, 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 you know. Sometimes God is in it, but sometimes it's just in that silence. We've got to find that place of silence where we block out all these noises, all these voices. You know, in this modern age, we are inundated by all these noises that come to us. We are so distracted. The moment we wake up, oh, WhatsApp, oh, messages, so many messages. What's in the news? What's trending? What's happening in Facebook and, and social media? In, you know, and, and, and so many things come to crowd out the presence of God that can come to you in that silence. And so I'm going to share to you, with you today how we can tap into that presence of God in that silence. In Psalm 1, which is our anchor uh, chapter for this series, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not, in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight 
In other words, you don't delight in these things, but your delight is in the law of the Lord. In some versions, it says, in the instruction of the Lord. Your delight is in hearing the voice of God. And in His law, He meditates. This godly person meditates day and night. And we see here in the, the next verse, this is the fruit of being able to meditate on God's Word day and night. Not just the day, constantly. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season and whatsoever he does shall prosper. I've actually memorized this whole chapter when I was young. And so it's a very, very powerful psalm. I encourage you to memorize this psalm because it really gives you the key to being fruitful for God and and, and, and never to wither, never to backslide, to turn away from God. You know, I've seen so many Christians these days. They seem to be at one point in their life so fervent for God. Wow, rah, rah, rah. And, and, and so active in church, in the youth ministry, in this ministry, young adults ministry. And suddenly, they go cold. Suddenly, they are offended, they turn away from the Lord or something happens. They get disappointed by someone and their faith disappears. Hey, what's happened? In other words, God has not been in all the things that you have done in the past. Because if you've had an encounter with God, you'll never depart from Him. And you will always, your leaf will never wither and whatsoever you do shall prosper. What a, what a promise here. But it comes out of this ability to meditate on His Word day and night and on the ability to hear God in that silence. Now, there are many um, uh, meditation techniques that are out there. I, I search on the word meditation in the internet. And there's a great offering of meditation help out there. And um, to be honest, you know, they are not really helpful. And in fact, some of it may be det detrimental, as we will see in a moment. But I, I did a search in a hate space which deal with mental illness and how to help people with men mental condition. Uh, offers what they call focus, attention, body scan, noting, visualization, loving kindness, skillful compassion, resting, awareness, reflection. We won't go into all the details, but it's, it's all uh, techniques to help us find peace, help us come out of depression, help us have a good mindset. But I'm going to offer you today the key to that uh, need that you may have. There's also different types of Eastern spiritual meditation on the offering out there in the world. And, and please be careful with that if you're a Christian here. 
uh, mindful meditation, of course, there is the transcendental meditation, guided me meditation, uh, vispassana meditation. These are all Eastern spiritual stuff. Loving kindness meditation, chakra meditation, and yoga. Oh, it's so popular nowadays out there. Be very careful with that because it opens the door for spiritual forces to come into your life. We had a relative, uh, a, a niece's husband, who was a bit disillusioned with was disillusioned with Christianity, and so he decided to go into transcendental meditation. And he explained this to us later on. What happened was he went into transcendental meditation, and he was taught to empty his mind, empty his mind, empty his mind, and he kept trying to empty his mind. And what happened was, when you empty your mind, it creates a vacuum in that space, in your mind space, in your spiritual space. And all the demons came, flooded in, sucked in into that vacuum. And he began to see faces of demons and they were tormenting him. And wow, he quickly quit from that because he, he just realized that that's, that's not what he wants. He wanted peace. He wanted to find God, but he didn't know how to. And so today, I'm going to share with you the true meditation, which unfortunately is not taught much out there. I think the Catholic monks may know some of it, but you know, they've kept it to themselves and, and Christians haven't learned the art of this, haven't tapped into that. So is there a place for Christian meditation? What's the difference between Christian meditation and all that worldly uh, other religion type meditation? Christian meditation is about time alone with God. All the other meditations is about techniques of how to find peace, how to find happiness and joy and and they are searching for things to fill their lives and to get them out of depression. But Christian meditation is a focus on God Himself, on Jesus Christ. And here we see, what is Christian meditation? It's a focus on God. When you, when you take time to meditate on God and on His Word, I'll be showing you in, in a moment how, how to really meditate, how to do Christian meditation. First of all, it's a focus on God, not on yourself. You don't spend that time telling God, Oh God, I'm in this terrible state. I feel this. I feel down. I feel hopeless. I feel sick. I, oh, you know, you're just giving Him a list of all your woes and complaints. Forget about that. When you come into the presence of God, into that secret place of the Most High, what do you do? You take this opportunity for the Holy Spirit to come to teach you and let God speak to you in that silence, in that still, small voice and let His Word begin to transform our hearts. I'm going to show you something very interesting here. In Romans 10, verse 16 to 18, 
it says that, but they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Many a times when I read this verse, I, I just scratch my head and wonder, why, do they, why does it say faith comes by hearing and then hearing by the Word of God? Why doesn't it just scrap the, 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 that hearing word, uh, the extra word? Why doesn't it just go straight? Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Why does it have to be? Why faith comes by hearing and then hearing by the Word of God? And I, as I began to meditate on this, um, on, on, on this um, dissonance here, this thing which I couldn't understand, God began to show me the key to, to having faith come into your life. It says, faith comes by, first of all, hearing. In other words, when we are able to truly hear God, that's when faith comes. Many a times, we think that just simply hearing the Word of God will bring faith. And you know, there are many Pharisees out there, many theologians who are not born again. They read the Word of God, they hear the Word of God, and many Christians, they hear the Word of God, but it doesn't do anything to them. It doesn't build their faith. It doesn't transform them or change them like it did with Elijah. And I'm sure many of you would have read God's Word and somehow it never did anything to you, you know. So the key here first is faith. The, the key is hearing. And when we are, have ears that are able to hear, that is what will transform our lives. We've got to change our hearing because we may have ears, but we cannot hear. And so what does the Word of God do? The Word of God, as we meditate on His Word, it will change our hearing capacity. It will change the way we see things. It says, you have eyes, but you do not see. Ears, but you do not hear. So as we meditate on God's Word, it will begin to transform us. It will clean us out. It will change our hearing faculty, our spiritual hearing, so that we are then able, we are receptive to be able to hear God's voice. Can I have the next slide, please, as, I, as this thing doesn't work here anymore? Um, you know, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful, or living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the Word of God is really powerful, but it's powerful in, in, in separating the things that are bad in our lives. To position us to be able to truly hear God. Alright? Let's look at this parable very quickly. And I, I won't dwell uh, long in this. Many of you have read or know of this parable. It talks about how the sower sows the seed, which is the Word of God. 
But many a times our hearts are hardened like the wayside, the pathway, and it doesn't do anything for us. Many a times it, it's stony soil where it's shallow soil and for a little while it excites us but it doesn't, doesn't have a permanent work in our lives. It doesn't do much for us. Many a times our, our hearts are choked with thorns, with thistles, with weeds, and it chokes the Word, and the Word of God is not fruitful for us. It doesn't bear fruit. It's not beneficial. But you know what? God wants our soil, the soil of our heart, to be good soil. Because if our hearts are not good soil, we will not bear forth fruit, 30, 60, even 100 fold. Here's, here's the key here. And, and let me bring you to this incredible verse in Mark 4.13. And he said to them regarding this parable of the sower. This parable of the sower is so powerful that if you would grasp and apply this parable into your life, it will transform you. This is the place of silence. This is the still small voice that I'm talking about. It says to them, do you, not, do you not understand this parable of the sower? How then will you understand all the other parables? In other words, this, the, the, the meaning of this parable, the essence of this parable is the key that will enable you to understand the rest of the Word of God. It's the key. And what's the key? The key is preparing your heart to be a good soil. Because if your heart is not good soil, you will not have the ear to hear. You, have not, you will not have the eyes to see. And so I may be preaching to you, preaching, reading to you the Word of God, but it does nothing to you because... You don't have ears to hear. You don't have eyes to see. Your heart is not good soil, you see. And so here in Luke uh, chapter 8, verse 9 to 10, it says, Then the disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given uh, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And so as you take time to meditate, in the presence of God, God will reveal to you the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And you will be able to experience breakthroughs, revelation like you've never had before. You will begin to experience um, a fresh anointing in your life. It will propel you into a new level of faith that you've never had before. So this is really, really powerful. Learn how to meditate, how to come into that space, that secret place of the Most High, so that God can begin to rip out all the stony, hard, uh, thorny parts of your life and the shallowness of your life. And, 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 and God's Word is the thing that will do it, to prepare your heart. And then God will come to you in that silence, as you block out all the other voices, God will then come to you. Can I have the next slide, please? 
that uh, next one. Yes, often we miss God in the whirlwind, in the rush of our life. We need to take time to meditate. And this is how we meditate on His Word day and night. We meditate on God Himself. So when you are spending that holy time, wherever it is before God, these are the three things that you need to focus on. First of all, on God Himself. Not on yourself, not on your problems. On His attributes, on His nature, on His love, on His goodness, on His mercy, on His omnipotence, on everything that is good of God, on His faithfulness. Take time to meditate, to focus on God Himself. Forget about yourself and concentrate on Him. Number two, focus and concentrate, think about His words. So it doesn't mean that when you're in that secret place, you can't read God's Word. You can. You can read Psalm 1 or whatever Psalm, Psalm 119, whatever. You, but you focus, you meditate on His Word and, and ask God to explain to you, to show you, just as I meditated on that Romans 10, 17, why does it say, faith comes by hearing? See, faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of... And hearing comes by the Word of God. So the Word of God brings you the ability to hear God. And out of the ability to hear God, faith comes. God comes in to change and transform your life. And the last point here is you focus on His works. And Psalm 77 talks about that. To meditate on His works, on His creation. Just go for a walk out there at night. Look at the stars like Abraham and, and look at the wonder of stars. Look at the sun and the moon and, and the creation of God. Look at the plants, the flowers. And you know, Brother Lawrence, uh, a well-known Catholic priest who has written many things about the presence of God. He was really born again. You know, when he went out and he looked, he saw a dead tree. <laughs> Looking at that dead tree caused him to be born again because he was then able to see the difference between life and death. Just meditating on creation, on his works. Look at the, the, the lake, look at the mountains, look at the plants, the flowers, the intricacies of plants and the insects and, and the animals. That alone will show God in all of these things. And as you meditate on these three things, I believe it will bring transformation in your life. And you will be like Elijah that will come out of your situation. And so here in Psalm 46 and verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Sorry, that's, uh, that, that's, that's where we end. 
be still. I want to just take close this session right now. And we don't often do this. In fact, we often have singing and mute, you know, lots of sound. But I just want you to pause for a moment. Pause from all your activities. Pause from all your thoughts of work, family, your health, your life, your relationships. Just pause. Everything, push it aside. Let's come into the secret place of the Most High right now so that we can hear His still small voice. The sound of silence when God will come in. And in that silence, God will speak, will transform you, will change you like He did with Elijah. Let's take a minute or so. Let's spend this time with God. Come to us in this silence. Come to our hearts. Remove the whirlwind. Remove the earthquake. Remove the fire from our lives because you are not in them. Come to us in that still small voice that sheer silence and truly speak to us truly transform us and heal us and lift us out of the miry clay and set our feet upon that rock hallelujah Hallelujah. I will read to you in closing this psalm, Psalm 40, as you wait in His silence and in His presence. I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined to me. He heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet 
upon a rock and establish my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burn offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I've declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and truth. From the great assembly, do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me, for innumerable, innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I'm not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let me go down. It says, The Lord be, let such as love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Yes, Lord. Even as we wait upon you, Lord, pull your people out of the miry clay and set their feet upon the rock and put a new song in their mouth. Even praise unto our God. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. I'll hand over to our chairman. Thank you. Amazing. Hey, let's give it up for Pastor Roland in your homes. If you were impacted by his message, hey, I actually want to encourage you right now. We have the lobby um, open on Zoom right now. And, um, you know, there's so something so powerful about seeking after God and shutting off the world and putting our focus on Him. And I've seen amazing things happen through that. And I'm hoping that God has challenged you through uh, the sermon this morning. And actually, I want to encourage you really to, to not just keep it to yourself, but um, I want to encourage you to talk to a pastor. If you've been challenged or you felt that you've been, you know, you just really brought to a place where you need to 
some direction and guidance and counsel. Hey, this is a perfect opportunity for you to talk to someone. And again, this, the, the link is on the screen, fjm.org.au forward slash lobby. And you know, actually last week we had someone get saved in the lobby. How amazing is that? That God can move through the conversations of people and through the stories of um, the, His children. And I'm believing that t- this morning that He will do the same thing uh, again and again. Amen. So we've come to the end of the service. So I'm just going to hand it over to Sarah and we're going to pray and close the service uh, this morning. Thanks, Sarah. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for giving us this time, this space to meditate on your word and really set aside time for you, God. God, you have given us a spirit of self-discipline. And in that, I pray, God, that you activate the spirit in all of us so that we can put aside time in our lives for you, God, and give you a space to move. God, I pray that as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us, God, and that we will be empowered to share our blessings that we've been given from you with the community around us, God. God, I just thank you for this time, and I pray that during our weeks and during the service, God, that you have just changed lives in this moment. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's give a clap offering to our God. How good is our God? Hey, we've come to the end of the service. Next week, make sure you're tuning in. Same time, same place. Um, And we're going to continue the next and actually the last installment of When You're On Your Own series. And what time should they tune in, Sarah? 9.50. Come join us for prayer. That's it. 9.50 a.m. Jump on and we're going to be praying, committing the service to God. Otherwise, that's it from us. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs) All right. When they close the, um, the stream, mm. it's like this holding sign, then people talking in the background sometimes. Uh. So it's like,